Holy God, we ask that in these moments you would speak your word by your own spirit to these who stand ready to follow Jesus. We ask it in his name. Amen. Whenever the disciples got discouraged with following a mysterious savior, they went back to doing something they understood, something they were good at, fishing. But have you ever noticed that whenever we find the disciples fishing in the biblical narrative, they are never catching anything? The text says they fished all night and caught nothing. They were supposed to be skilled at this. It was their plan B in case this following Jesus thing didn't work out. They fished all night and caught nothing. You have spent years at Princeton Theological Seminary learning theology. But be clear, we were not just giving you skills you could rely on. We were giving you a means of approaching Jesus Christ, the Savior. If you get disappointed in him when you leave here, don't think you can rely on your knowledge about him. Don't think you can rely on just being smart and a hard worker. You are casting your life not on your skills as a student, but on the subject of your studies. If you leave here with faith just in your skills, even your theological skills, you too will find that soon you are fishing all night and catching nothing. After this disastrous night, the next morning the disciples were at the shore so discouraged and we find them washing their empty nets. It is then that Jesus shows up. He asks them if he can use their boat for a pulpit. The disciples figure they might as well put this boat to some good use. So they let him and Jesus gives a good sermon. At the end of that, he then looks back at the disciples and says, okay, now let's go fishing. It's at this point that the disciples object, as if to say, Jesus, you know about preaching, but when it comes to fishing, when it comes to getting into a PhD program, when it comes to getting ordained, when it comes to finding a high tolerance for church bureaucracy, I've got more experience than you do, Jesus. But whenever we sacrifice Jesus' teaching from our own field of expertise, that turns worship into spiritual entertainment. We can sit by the shores on Sunday morning and enjoy Jesus' lovely words, but then when we leave church, 
we li live as if, in fact, we are the savior of our own ship. Before you begin any type of ministry, be clear that the sum total of the job description of savior has already been filled. There's nothing more dangerous than pastors or scholars trying to be Jesus, for not only will you catch nothing, but you will have nothing to offer. They do as Jesus says. They go out once again in the ships, this time with Jesus. They cast the net, and the nets are so full of fish, they think the boat is going to sink. Now, when you read this text, it's easy to get preoccupied with this miracle. Some will argue for the reality of this miracle of so many fish that it seems like the ship will sink because, after all, the Bible says it, that's good enough. Others will try to explain away the miracle and will explain that sometimes the fish in the sea swim in schools, and if the net went down just in front of the schools, it would collect more fish than the net was supposed to, and the gunnels of these ships were very low, and if they were all on one side, leaning over, it would look like the ship was going to sink, and, 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 it all misses the point, doesn't it? The point that should make you stutter and statter and slap your head is the discovery that we have the incarnation of God on board in our little ship. If you can see that, the fish thing is easy. Don't get distracted by the fish in this story. Fish can't save you. For that, we turn to the gospel proclamation in this text that Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, is on board. On the days when the little boat called your life or your family or our church or our world is threatened at sea, on the days when you think the ship is sinking, on the days when it seems like injustice will always reign and you will always have to struggle for your God-created dignity, on the days when it seems like we are going to just keep letting our children get slaughtered in school. On the days when you have worked so hard trying to make a difference in this world and are still lost at sea. On the stormy nights when it feels like your relationships are unraveling. When you have fished all night and caught nothing Look around to see that you are not alone. There is a savior on that boat. Now anything can happen. A while back, while flying on an airplane, sitting in my seat, minding my own business, just working on a talk I had to give, the man in the seat next to me asked that question all pastors dread, which is, what line of work are you in? 
I knew this wasn't going to go well because I'd been here before. Once I tell him, I know that one of two things is going to happen. Either I'm going to hear about his disappointments with church along the way, or if he finds out that I'm a Presbyterian minister, he's going to try to witness to me. <laughs> this man went with option A. So I heard about his terrible time in Sunday school and the disastrous confirmation class he went to and how awful youth group was. I heard about his disappointments with all of the lousy sermons he had to listen to, his disappointments with the church's lack of influence in society, and the list went on. When he finally got done, I looked at him and said, you know, I spend a lot more time with the church than you do. I know a lot more about the church than you do. And let me tell you, you don't know the half of it. It's so much worse than you're thinking. Don't even get me started on the clergy. So he said, well, well, then why do you stay with the church? Because it's where I go to find Jesus. Even two or three of us gathered there can find Jesus in our midst. I know Jesus is also at other places, but I'm certain he's with the church where very flawed disciples gather in his name. When one of those flawed disciples, Peter, realized the power of the Savior that he had been carrying around in his boat, he fell down at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinner. Note that Jesus doesn't argue that point. Sinners are the only kind of people Jesus lets on board in the church. That's why we have the church. It's where we sinners keep going to find a means of grace. It's where we keep going to find absolution for our sin. There are so many things you can do on your own to nurture your soul. You can engage in the spiritual and the devotional life. You can engage in scholarship. You can engage in mission. But when it comes to receiving absolution, you need a priest for that. Let us remember the point of the Reformation was not to get away from priests, but to extend the priesthood to all believers. You need to be surrounded by another believer who sees Jesus in our midst and can say, in Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. That's why we go to church. Jesus responds to Peter's confession with the promise of vocation. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid that you are a sinner. From now on, you will be catching people. To catch people means to prevent them from falling. All around the church, and according to this text, within the church, 
people are falling into despair. Some are despairing because they were privileged and thought that if they just followed the rules, they would be fulfilled. A word, by the way, that's not in the Bible. But they fished all night. And not only did they not find fulfillment, they found nothing worthy of their lives. Others are despairing because the struggle for racial and gender equality is long and hard and made more difficult by the privilege being preoccupied with their own fulfillment. Still others despair because their relationships sailed past intimacy a long time ago or because they returned from the doctor's office one day to realize their bodies are always going to hurt. All of us who love and care about the church are tempted to despair because it has long been a ship filled with holes and we kept keep fretting that it is sinking. What we all need is to be caught, to be caught up in the gospel's proclamation that a savior is still on board. He has not abandoned the ship called church or the world that he was dying to love. You've got to open your eyes to see this. You've got to see that Jesus the Christ is with you and he is not nearly done. Otherwise, your vocation, your cherished human agency will reduce to empty nets. You would not have spent years here in theological study if you did not believe that God is with us. Hopefully, we've helped you explore the heights and depths and length and breadth of what it means that God is with us. Hopefully, we've helped you understand the moral and ethical imperatives of realizing that God is with us. But on most days, it's not all that hard to believe that God is with us. But on many dark nights, it's going to be hard to believe that God is with you. So let this be my last words to you. Not only is God with us, God is always with you. If you can see that, you will not be surprised to find the Savior doing the most miraculous things through your ministry. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.